Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl. C70 that at C70 on Twitter with me, David Jones, the iPop editor on the Twitters. We are coming to you again Sunday night like we normally do. Um, it's been hit or miss so far this uh, year, David. I think this is the second Sunday they've got a win, so there's that. It's always better to do the show after they get a win, even if the win is as frustrating as it was today. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we're talking after a win because I sent a few messages messages to you today saying I really did not want to relive this past week uh, because of the, just the nastiness, the frustrating, ugly baseball that we had to watch that is just so unbecoming of the Cardinals. I, I wonder if this is what it's like to be a Pittsburgh or Cincinnati fan because I'm not used to this. Um, just ugh, but at least we're coming off a win, and that's a about the best I can say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's different because Pittsburgh and Cincinnati fans most years don't have any expectation of being good. Because um, I think this this week, you know, the Cardinals play and win two out of three against Colorado and then split with Pittsburgh. And if you aren't a contending team, if you're in a team that well, one has stocked up a whole bunch of talent, especially on the offensive side, but two isn't a team that's supposed to win the division. Maybe this week isn't okay. You know, you've won more than you've lost. You've, you know, had a walk-off win. You had a couple of late rallies. Maybe it's okay. But for the Cardinals to have these games, to struggle four games against Pittsburgh, to really have to battle to win those two out of three in Colorado, it just wasn't supposed to be this hard. We, you know, the first couple of weeks we had the excuse, Oh, the blue Jays are tough and the Braves are great. And you know, the Brewers are a good team, but you turned into this week. You shouldn't had to rely on, you know, Oh, well, um, well, we won more than we lost, you know, it shouldn't be that way. No. And especially when you're playing Pittsburgh at home, Mm -hmm. you cannot split with Pittsburgh at home. I mentioned on a previous podcast, I'm a big North Carolina Tar Heels basketball fan. And I remember they were kind of going through a losing streak early in the year. And I remember listening to Jay Billis say, I think it was when they were losing against Indiana. And Jay Billis said, North Carolina is going to be fine. They're way too talented of a team. They're going to be fine. Don't worry. Well, I love Jay Billis, but Billis was wrong. North Carolina <laughs> didn't make the NCAA tournament. And I'm having flashbacks to that now where I want to say the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be fine. They're way too talented of a team. That roster is way too good. But you know what? Sometimes talented rosters don't win. And right now this team just isn't winning like they should. I mean, they're almost a 500. They're not even quite there yet. But this team should not be a sub 500 team. That That's just not the case. And I think three times this week, I said to somebody, where would we be without Nolan Gorman? Because the Cardinals potentially could have three fewer wins at this point, if not for Gorman's late inning heroics. I I feel like in some ways he's carried the team in late innings. This this feels like a team that could be a lot worse than they are. I don't see many games where I'm like, oh, well, they could have won that or they could have been a lot better. It just has not been pretty. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And... uh... I, it is, it's frustrating to see that it, it's not that you can point your finger at just one thing, right? I mean, you can point some pretty strong fingers at a couple of places and we're going to get to that, but there's really been, you know, the pitching staff 
the offense hasn't the the starters haven't been as solid as we were hoping for. Um, the bullpen has had a couple of issues, although on the whole it's been all, all right. But you know, if you don't have a lead or if you're pitching a whole bunch of innings and then you start, you know, wearing people down, that's an issue. And this offense that is the deepest offense that we were talking, you know, the deepest offense since 2004 or, or, or other times, you know, just had a series where Pittsburgh had more extra base hits than they did. Um, and it wasn't really that close. Uh, and, and until the bats really kind of woke up a little bit today, um, you know, it's just a bunch of singles hitters is what we've seen a lot this year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not like you can just say, well, the offense is clicking and as soon as the the rotation gets gets back on their feet we're going to be fine there are questions everywhere and you just wonder what the answers are yeah i think you nailed it right there because in the past we might be able to say you know well paul goldschmidt is off to a, he's a slow starter he's off Ooh. to a slow start this year you know that was years past now you're pointing to entire categories you're saying this entire offense is off to a slow start. And if you're going to start picking individual players, you might be able to name three players that are actually playing to their average or a little bit above. No one else is. You look at the starters, the entire group of starters is off right now. Montgomery, a little bit of an outlier, but the other four, no, they're not there. If there's anything you feel good about, it's probably the bullpen at this point, and that's a little even iffy. You're looking at individuals and defense. Uh, we've seen some incredible defensive plays. We've seen a couple blunders, but for the most part, we've seen Tommy Edmond show why he has a gold glove. Mm-hmm. We've seen Arenado show why he's incredible. Goldschmidt, a few hiccups here and there, but overall the defense has been pretty good. But yeah, we're talking about entire categories here. Um, it, it's just... It's tough to watch. It's frustrating baseball. It's when you see a starter walk five or six batters and then you see the offense can't hit or they especially situational hitting, not being able to advance a runner, not being able to drive in runners in scoring position. It's just ugly baseball and it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, frustrating enough to get Ollie Marwell kicked out of a game this um which I mean granted the frustrations were a little bit more on the uh the uh umpiring side of things but and that and you know i think there's a little bit to that too i mean we have seen and maybe that's just because maybe you can't say it's just the cardinals here and that that's fair because it's the same we watch but we have seen some really really bad calls this year right that have you know calls that change change at bats and change momentums and change innings so I mean, that's that's like way down on the list of things that you're going to have to deal with. And that's obviously something that you can't control and everybody deals with. But still, you know, when everything else is going bad, then that just kind of like a little bit of salt in that open wound. Um, so, yeah, it is ridiculously frustrating. And you're right. If it wasn't for somebody like Nolan Gorman, who, you know, saved their bacon a lot in, in Colorado, um, I, I don't know where you're at. I think you are... You know, again, it's difficult to say, uh, right, this season off, you know, it's second week of or third week of of April. But if you've got two or three less wins, and if you're looking at, you know, what, five and ten now or something like that, boy, it's, you know, it's not over at all. But you start, you know, start wondering when you're going to start filling that hole in instead of adding to it. 
Yeah, they could easily be six games out of first place at this point. Mm-hmm. And when you're at that point, not only are you trying to catch the Brewers, but you got teams above you right. that you're trying to catch. Again, it's very early, but you never want to get down by that many games this early because it's tough to catch up. I mean, I think LaRusse's thing was you get to 500, and after you get to 500, you work on getting to 10 above 500. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's early in the season, but this Cardinals team is trying to get to 500. And you no, know, that's this team should be better on paper. They're better than that. But then you go out and actually watch them play. You watch them hit with runners in scoring position. You watch the starters go out there to struggle to even get in the fifth inning. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see why they're four games back. Yeah. Um, you know, Adam Wainwright about to go out on rehab assignment. You know, maybe that will help. We did see some better starts this week. In fact, you know, maybe, maybe the most encouraging thing out of this week, because you're right, Jordan Montgomery has been, good all year and so i don't want to you know for him to be good again this week was not surprising but to see jack flaherty have a good very good start and to do it in colorado um i think that was probably at least a little bit heartening right i mean the control has been such an issue for jack so far to see him finally be able to get some strikeouts and to for the most part, keep the ball in the ballpark and, you know, only give up like, well, I think two runs or something like that in a, in a hitting situation, you know, we'll see if it, you know, one, that's one start and we'll see what it happens the next couple of times, but it was nice to at least have that to hold on to for a while. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like if that's like the bar for somebody mm-hmm. to reach, we've set the ball really low. Like I think the quality start in baseball is like, bare minimum of what you should expect from your starter. I mean, it, you can, I mean, you can go six innings, give up three runs and have a quality start. That's okay. Sure. Fine. But we're not even seeing that from the Cardinals. We've seen mm-hmm. one pitcher do that and he's done it twice. And so comparatively, yes, for Flaherty, it was much better than what we had seen previously. So I'll give him credit from that. We see he does look like he's getting better, but if you're looking at it from the big picture of like, you know, what should we be expecting from Jack Flaherty or what should you be expecting from any top three pitcher in a rotation? It wasn't even there. Like you've got to get into the sixth inning. And I think what makes that more glaringly, I don't want to say bad, but more of an issue is how taxed this bullpen has been. You've got to get through six, possibly Mm. pitch into the seventh right now for this bullpen. Like I saw today, Miley pitching for the Brewers pitched seven innings. And I'm like, we can't get anybody to do that. And they have Miley doing that. We're not talking mm-hmm. about Burns. We're not talking about Woodruff or uh, Peralta. Miley. The Cardinals can't get that from any of their starters other than one right now. I, I don't know if we ex- should expect Wainwright to do that coming back. I think he's going to be on a pitch count for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he is up there in age. So, uh, man, I just feel like now it's like when a pitcher does something semi-decent it kind of gets blown out of proportion a little bit into hyperbole because we're just not expecting it and so I mean the first time a guy pitches seven innings and gives up three runs I mean people are going to be giving him a Cy Young in St. Louis at this point Um, but yes come on like somebody just show some durability some persistence go deep into a game please I was a little bit surprised that um Marmol went to the bullpen today with Michaelis needing another out to get out of the sixth. And granted, the situations were, it wasn't so too surprising. Um, and probably a lot of times you would have even maybe thought about it twice, although he was the next batter up as a guy that hadn't had a hit all season. But 
Michaelis had walked in twice today, so that, that's probably part of the reason. But given how how much trouble, how the fact that even just yesterday um, the Cardinals had gone through their bullpen enough that they had to use Jordan Hicks, and that went how you expected it to go these days. Um, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't try to at least get that last out, you know, one less inning, one less out for the bullpen. Um, and, you know, Michaelis left at 92 pitches. He could have been slightly under 100. You know, maybe you could even see him start the seventh. Um, they didn't go that way, and it, and it yeah. worked. But I was just a little bit surprised given, you know, given the fact that, you know, Today you use Pallante, Thompson, Gallegos, Verhagen. You know, how many of these guys are now available or not available tomorrow night when you might need them? Yeah, and I will say when that happened, when I saw him coming out of the dugout, in my head I was a little bit critical because I thought, really, like, come on, we're this close to getting him through sixth. And I thought I'm going to have to change my notes because we may see another quality start, but that's (laughs) fine. Although I kind of caught myself because I thought, you know what? I was critical in years past of Schilt and Matheny for leaving their yeah. guy in there for one batter too long. It always seemed like they were one or two guys late in removing somebody. And sometimes it was either to get them the win, get them through five mm-hmm. or to get them through six. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to pull back on this criticism because initially at the time I thought, yeah, come on, just let them go. But I thought, you know what? I've been critical on managers being too late. I- I'm going to go ahead and be okay with a manager being too early if this actually puts the Cardinals in a position to win. And um, they ended up winning it. It wasn't one in that inning, but it, it probably could have been lost in that inning. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not really critical of the decision. It's just, I was surprised by it just because of what we've been seeing out of the bullpen, but you're right. I mean, you'd much rather them, you know, go to the fresh arm, even if it's a situation where it's a guy that anybody should be able to get out. Um, didn't. In fact, I don't think it got him out there. I think that was the one that that, uh, that Goldschmidt may have bobbled or something like that. But, um, yeah, I just uh, given how this bullpen is is probably the strength right now. But I mean, you you can't be using them all the time, and they and they are. And and I think it was interesting to hear Ollie Marmol at in the post game yesterday basically saying look we'd rather have eight guys that we can pitch all the time than have this long man that never gets to pitch you know once every 10 <laughs> days so you know we have seen that quite a bit under Matheny especially and a little bit under shield you know that you know that's what well if if under different management that's what Jake Woodford would be this year right I mean if if it was if Adam Wainwright was healthy they'd probably have Woodford up here to be that guy that you know, we'll come in on the fourth inning and or the third inning in a game that the pitcher's getting blown up and go until the sixth or seventh. But that doesn't happen very often, so they don't get to pitch. Um, so I can't fault that for sure. Um, but, you know, you wind up with this idea that, and I guess it, I guess I'm just dancing around the fact that Jordan Hicks is not good and we got to figure out what to do with it. I, I, I mean, that's what I'm getting around, right? I mean, because if, if it wasn't for Jordan Hicks right now, this bullpen would be, you You really wouldn't care who they brought out because just about everybody else is doing the job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who, Zach Thompson today, one in the third inning, he threw seven pitches and seven strikes. I mean, mm-hmm. that's incredible. Gallegos hasn't given up a run. I mean, Verhagen, 2.35 ERA. These and these guys were efficient today too. That's what was great about it. They didn't pitch that much, 
But then, yeah, you get to Jordan Hicks. I was looking at baseball savant. No surprise, his velocity is the 100th percentile. So, mm-hmm. I mean, all right at the top. However, his fastball spin is in the 6th percentile, and his walk percentage is in the 3rd percentile. So you've got a guy with all the tools and all the makings to just be a shutdown guy, and he has been terrible. I mean, he came out yesterday, and he threw, what was it, like seven sliders up in the mm-hmm. zone, didn't go to his fastball. I mean, when you can hit 102, 103, and you're throwing off-speed pitches, or, or I don't even know what it was. I mean, it looked they just almost looked like slow-pitch softball pitches hanging up there in the zone. Something's not right. Now, they say he's completely healthy, and he may be, but he's either not getting a feel for his pitches, or he's scared, or something, but something is off, and... I think there's a day of reckoning coming very soon for Jordan Hicks. I don't know what that's going to entail. I don't know what he's going to be willing to do, but yeah, you you can't, when your bullpen is taxed, you can't have that break class emergency guy that you only use in like mop up efforts or something like that. You just, you can't do that. And so right now they've got a guy that they can't pitch and who's taken up a roster spot. Yeah. And I want to be fair here. Because there's a, there was a little bit, when I was looking through Twitter today, there felt like there was a little bit of pushback on Jordan Hicks. Because, you know, I think it was Derek Gould asked Ollie Marmol about, you know, hey, have you discussed giving an option? Because Jordan Hicks has the option to reject an option. I guess that's the way. He, he's been in the league long enough, as we've said before. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He has the right to refuse to be assigned to the minors. Um, doesn't mean he has to. I mean, he could accept that too. And so there seems to be an idea out there that Hicks has done that, that the Cardinals have maybe broached the idea of going to Memphis. And he said, no, I think I'm fine here. I don't know. I think this is an interpretation of what Marmol said. I don't know that that's accurate. And I don't want, I hate to cast aspersions on a guy that's already dealing with a lot of stuff, right? I don't want, you know, to turn against him for something that he may not have actually done. So I think that's fair. But if the Cardinals haven't broached that for him, I don't know why not. Because it's it's very clear that he needs something. And he probably doesn't need to work it out in in the major leagues. I mean, yes, he could probably overmatch AAA hitters. But, you know, AAA hitters aren't that far off from major league hitters, and we're seeing what major league hitters can do to him. Yeah, and I mean, his issue right now is he can't throw strikes, but when he does Mm -hmm. throw strikes, they get crushed. Right. And, I mean, I don't even know if he'd be open to this, but, like, it almost seems like he needs to go back down to Florida for a little bit and work with somebody, some type of instructional coach who, you know, get him out of games, don't put him in competition for a little bit, and just – I don't know if this is a mental block or if there is something physically that's gone on. And and it could be one of those things. It could be a physical thing. That's not actually an injury. I mean, right Mm -hmm. now, if you look at Nolan Arenado, his exit velocity, how he's, you know, not barreling up the balls and stuff. I don't think he's injured. I think his mechanics are just off a little bit. And so maybe with Hicks, there's something there that's just off that needs to get fixed. And once it does, he'll be back to sort of the Hicks that we know, but yeah, right now he's not, helping this ball club he's only hurting it now i hate that because sometimes when people talk about that it's like you're assaulting somebody's character mm-hmm. and you know we're talking sports here i mean right you know this is a guy going out and he is competing i think he's probably giving his all this isn't a, an attack on his character but it's just comes down to he's not able to do the job that he's supposed to do and when you can't then 
the team's going to need to make a decision. Yeah. And I mean, to some degree, you're, you're right that, yeah, maybe he'd get back to what he was, but to some degree, this is kind of what Jordan Hicks has been, right? I mean, you look at his walk rate uh, in his five years in the big leagues. And of course, two of those, he was, he was injured and only pitched part of the year. He's been in the bottom 4%, 1%, 3% of the league. He's, he's walking people, you know, every year he has walked people at at least a 10% clip and some at most years more. Um, you know, he's always been a guy that has not struck out people like he should. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it is adding a different pitch. Maybe it is some mechanical work, whatever it may be, you know, it's just gotta be done somewhere. I think, you know, Ben Fredrickson wrote about it too. And you were saying there as well, the ball doesn't move enough. So, you know, he can throw 105, but it gets fouled off. And so you just foul off pitches until something is out of the zone or something just gets hung and, and you bash on it. And, you know, I hate to see that, but it feels to me that, you know, we've talked, I think, in the past about whether Jordan Hicks is going to be a Cardinal at the end of the next year. I think there's becoming more and more possibility that he's not a Cardinal by, you know, midseason, one way or another, whether it's a trade to try to get him a change of scenery or, but I never would have thought they would cut him. But I think they're getting, if it doesn't improve, I think they're going to almost have to. Yeah. And, and, and I will say, I fall into this category of what I'm about to say, but I think a lot of Cardinals fans, we have been infatuated by what we think Jordan Hicks could be mm-hmm. rather than who Jordan Hicks actually is. Because we heard about this guy that could hit 103, might be able to hit 105 when he was you know, a teenager. And of course that catches your attention. And then you see him jump through the ranks and you think, wow, you know, we've got the next Araldus Chapman as our closer. He's young, he's cheap, he's under contract. This is great. And then he just doesn't really put it together. But even then, we keep hearing over and over, you know, Twitter, you know, it's a quick highlight. So Twitter can put out a quick highlight of him throwing the fastest pitch thrown that season or something. And it's great to see, but you don't see the three pitches before it, the three pitches right. after it, or the result. And so it, it, it's really easy for people to get infatuated with that idea, that idealism of what he can be, but it's just, it hasn't happened. And I know last week we talked about whether or not the Cardinals organization had failed him and made him as a thrower instead of a pitcher. And, and I still think there is something to that, but yeah, a friend texted me the other day and he said, I think it's time to trade Jordan Hicks. And I responded and I said, uh, it's his last year of his contract. He has no options remaining. Uh, and his numbers are terrible. You're not going to get much for him. But his whole point was get something for him and open up a roster spot for another reliever to come up from Memphis. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, we've hit that point now where we're talking about get anything you can or maybe nothing simply because he's not worth the roster spot. I yeah. uh, didn't quite think we'd get to this point, but I mean, this is a carryover from spring training, a little bit of a carryover from last year. It may be time to let him go. Yeah, I mean, you um, you know, kind of pull up his heat maps here on his baseball savant page, and you know, like his changeup, he has only his own looks like maybe one or two actually in the pitch in the zone. All the changeups are way out of the out of the zone, and his sinker is in the zone, but it's right in the middle. I mean, most of it is you know right down the the pipe to some degree. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not a expert at reading these maps, but from everything I see, they don't look good, um, and it's hard to know how you do this in the big league, you know, I mean, and, and this team isn't to the point right now that they're winning, you know, 
eight to nothing games in the fifth inning, right? <laughs> that you can feel like you can bring Jordan Hicks in and not have to worry about it. You know, they're, they're playing within one or two runs pretty much every day. And either that or they're, you know, I guess they get trailing enough that maybe you can bring him in then too. But it's, it seems to me it's going to be very hard for us them to find low leverage situations unless they bring him into the, the sixth inning and he pitches to three batters and then they take him, you know, they're ready. They've got somebody warming up as soon as he gets in. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. I, I think we'll know something if not by the next time we record by the time Mm -hmm. after that. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Now let's talk about somebody seems to be coming out of a bit of a funk. We've seen Wilson Contreras, struggle a little bit this year, but he had, you know, two or three big hits here, including two hits today, a uh, big hit on uh, Friday night. Uh, do you think Contreras is finally kind of starting to settle into, you know, the new system, the new adjustments, and maybe starting to come out of his little slump? Uh, maybe. I, I I don't know. One game, I think is too soon. Coming in today, he'd only had one extra base hit on the season. Mm-hmm. So he doubled that today. So that's great. Um, but I don't know. Um, now, I will say, like, his pitch framing has been better than it has in past seasons. So that's going for him. I think he's around, like, 64th percentile or something in baseball. Um, so he's been better. I, you know, defensively, he's let some pass balls go. But he's also had some nice snap throws down to second that have been really nice. But with the bat... I, I don't know. Um, he has looked, I, I think he's pressing, probably trying to impress mm-hmm. the new team, new fans, things like that. Um, sometimes you see him just guessing at the plate. I mean, they're throwing him those pitches down and outside that he is just throwing the bat at and trying to pull the ball and just, it's just not happening. So I don't know. I hope he's turning a corner. I hope today um, was the start of something good. I would not have him batting fifth. That's for sure. I, I, I've hated that lineup construction. Um, I'm not a fan of a few things in the lineup right now, actually, but that's one of them. I would not be having him bat fifth. Um, I think if you're facing a right-hander, there is the other Nolan that could be batting fifth and be doing very well. So, yeah, I would not have Contreras fifth right now. Um, I don't know if I'd have him sixth. Uh, I think I'd have him sixth or seventh probably, but yeah, hopefully we see that he's starting to relax and come out of things and we see him start hitting the ball and all over the ballpark. But uh, I'll need to see a few games before I'm actually ready to buy in. Are you surprised? I mean, again, it kind of goes with in past years. I don't think you would, this would be even a question, but are you a little bit surprised that Ollie Marmol hasn't shuffled the lineup a little bit more? Because, I mean, the idea is that Marmol's going to be getting input from the front office and the analytics department. He's more open to this. And and maybe it's that, maybe that's part of it, is they're just like, this is going to work. We just have to stick with it. Um, but to me, I'm a little bit surprised we haven't seen a little bit more variation in the lineup. Yeah, when we saw Burleson slide into the number two spot, I thought, okay, this is going to be something that's constantly changing and moving around. And then it really wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. We we start with Donovan, go to Burleson. And I got to say, I hate them batting one, two. There are many reasons. One of them is that when you're watching on your phone, they look very similar. <laughs> and I can't, I'm like, oh, did Brendan Donovan get to bat a second time or something? Like, are they doing a do? Oh, nope, that's Burleson. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, but that's one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I thought there would be more shuffling. Um, Donovan has been 
pretty bad with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. So has Tommy Edmond. And right now with the nine and one, once the lineup flips over, you've got two guys that are not hitting at all with runners in scoring position and Burleson's not much better, just a little bit. So yeah, I thought we'd see some type of shuffling. Um, I'm, uh, I'm into analytics, but I don't know. You might call me old school analytics. Cause like they change so much that like, if you adopt something from five years ago, you're behind, but yeah, right. I'm a big believer that you put your best hitter at number two. Um, so I would prefer seeing Goldie in the number two spot. You use your best on base percentage guy at top. Number two is your best hitter. Um, that's not what they're doing. I, I just, I don't know. I thought we'd see some of that right now, but Right now, it looks pretty static, and I have a feeling that we may see Newt slide back up to two. Um, it seems like he really likes going double lefties when they face righties, even if the splits are reverse splits. So, yeah, I think this may be, we may be stuck with this for a while, other than maybe him sliding one or two guys up a little bit at the bottom of the order. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the lineup isn't completely the same because we have seen a little bit of difference in who is in the lineup. But you're right. It's that still that kind of idea that, you know, Gorman may be playing DH, he may be playing second base, but he's still going to be hitting like sixth instead of, you know, even second would be interesting, right? I mean, to put him ahead of the big boppers or fourth or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, who knows what you could do with him? I don't know. I mean, and, and we're here, we're, you know, what now getting into three weeks into the season, you know, Maybe this is the time where they start looking at the data and say, okay, we feel like this tells us a little bit more than it did after, you know, three games or something. So now we can start making some adjustments. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see, but it's not like this lineup has, has clicked completely, even though it did so well against the Blue Jays and it's had its moments. It's just not, you're not seeing what we thought we would see out of it. And maybe it's time to, you know, shuffle things a little bit. Yeah, you're right. And I went to Baseball Savant just to kind of look at kind of, the, you know, the underlying numbers, because, you know, sometimes you hear a guy, well, he's had bad luck. He's hitting the ball hard, but he's hitting it right at people. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard that about Matt Carpenter for about two years, just hitting into bad luck and uh, hitting the ball to the warning track. And it would have been out in other parks and stuff, you know, so I, I just kind of looked and I mean, Paul Goldschmidt right now is smoking the ball. Um, he's not hitting it out of the ballpark, but he is stinging it and his numbers look great. Gorman is looking awesome. I mean, that's pretty obvious. You just turn on the TV and watch him play. When he comes to the plate, he's one of those guys I'm like, I actually think something's going to happen here. Like today when he got up in the 10th, I thought, I think he's going to come through. I think he's going to hit the ball hard. Um, And then Burleson. Uh, Burleson is hitting the ball pretty hard. He's had a little bit of bad luck, but he is stinging the ball hard. But outside of those guys, uh, everybody else is struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, Nolan Arenado, if you just look at average, it looks fine. But his exit velocity, just the way he's hitting the ball right now, it's just not his typical self. Something's just off in his swing just a little bit. Um, I don't think you're switching around to Goldie and Arenado and where they're at, you know, back to back or anything. I think Mm -hmm. from spring training to World Baseball Classic to this season, those guys are going to be locked in and I'm fine with that. But I, I would like to see some shuffling with maybe bumping those guys up to number two, uh, getting Gorman up in the lineup a little bit. Um, we haven't mentioned Jordan Walker yet, but he has been struggling big time. Uh, I think let's, I think he's hitting 154 in his last seven games and he hasn't had an extra base hit in his last nine games. I think he needs to slide down again. Um, I know he's been around seven or eight, probably staying back at eight, 
maybe get him a little rest as well. But yeah, I, I think we need to see a little bit of shuffling to see if something can kind of spark that. Now, I know if you if you're a big analytic person, you know that the lineup construction, like between the worst lineup construction, and the best lineup construction, it's worth like Ooh. two to four wins over a season. But even so, I think something needs to be done to see if we can get a spark going. Um, but at the same time, we don't even know who's playing outfield each game. I, I, I can't even remember during the game when I'm watching who's playing. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's right now. It's just, it's not good. Um, we need some guys that can actually perform with runners in scoring position. Yeah. I was looking up <clears throat> Jordan Walker there while you're talking and yeah, he hasn't had a two hit game since April 8th. Um, so you're yeah right over a week there and, you know, as much as that hitting streak was a lot of fun, and there's no doubt it was, um, you know, it was a lot of one for threes and one for fours, right? So, um, not that not that we should be down on Jordan Walker or anything like that, but I think it does make it a little easier for Ollie Marmol to now take him out of the lineup, you know, every third day or every fourth day in, ro- in a rotation for the other guys. Um not, not that everybody else is just killing it either, but you know, when he's got a hitting streak going on and everybody's looking at him, there was no way to take him out of the lineup. But now I think it probably does him good to not have to be out there every day. Yeah. It, and his hits, a lot of them, you know, the, the one hit games, but they're also like the broken bats, the seeing eye singles and things like that. Uh, he hasn't been elevating the ball. Um, he's struck out 10 times in the last seven games. With Newt back, I think you can start getting him where putting him in places to let him succeed. Uh, mm-hmm. Matchups where you think that they're actually favorable to him. Um, I, I was surprised how much he played to start the season, which, yeah, the guy's on a streak, sure. But even, you know, the studies that are out there that show like after about six or seven games, a guy needs rest or else he's going to regress a little bit. Um, and then once you give him some rest, his numbers go back up. And so I felt like he got overplayed. I mean, I know he's 20 years old. He's got a lot of energy, but this is all still new to him. He's learning ballparks. He's learning players. He's learning dimensions. Um, he, he's learning that Bush Stadium can be 80 degrees one day and 40 the next day. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of those things I think I think we've kind of preached patience for fans with him. I think the Cardinals may need to have a little more patience with him, too, and not just keep throwing him out there to the wolves. Yeah, I I would think that you know, but yeah, I, I know there's there's that there's that temptation of to get him out there and to, it, you know if he's he's up he's going to play that kind of stuff, but it doesn't do him any good not to to get a little bit of a rest. Um, Tommy Edmund came through today uh, in the tenth, but has been struggling. Um, we saw Paul DeYoung hit a home run today in Memphis. Um, granted, he's still just seven for 31 on this rehab assignment, but that rehab assignment starting to come to a close. Um, do you think it's, I mean, I think it was pretty much impossible a few while back, but do you think there'll be a little bit more of, you know, when Paul DeYoung comes back and I think we all expect him to come back. Um, is he going to play a little bit more often than we thought he was going to? Yeah, good question. And I don't have a great answer for that. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that we're not seeing Taylor Motter as much lately. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's due to pitching matchups. But I think that DeYoung becomes Motter. Now, one thing that's going to help Edmund, um, 
one thing that won't help Edmund is his one for 15 with runners in scoring position, mm. although he's one for his last one with a walk off. <laughs> so maybe it's turning around, but Edmund has played some incredible defense. He has made some plays this year that I didn't think he could make. And I'm a big believer in him with his glove, but he's made some nearly impossible plays and his arm has looked stronger than I remember on some plays, uh, some diving catches. I thought, well, he just stopped he just stopped the ball. He's not getting the ball across and he has zipped it over. So I think as long as he keeps playing defense like that, he's going to be fine. I don't think there's any danger of DeYoung taking his spot. Um, Edmund can draw walks. He's speed on the bases. He's batting ninth. And so sometimes you can kind of get away with not having the best bat when you're there. So I don't see any situation where DeYoung starts taking away a little more playing time, unless Somehow DeYoung just goes on one of those hot streaks that we've seen once or mm. twice where he is just hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And if he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark, but no other Cardinals are, then yeah, maybe. But I mean, the guy's hitting, I think, below 200 in Memphis right now. I, I, you're the math person. I didn't quite do that in my head. So um, you'll be able it, to know that. He but, pushed it. He's about 220. So Oh, okay. I think I think when the ball went out of the park, if I remember the stat, he was like hitting 187 before yeah. it went over the fence. And it barely went over the fence, but it went over. So that's what matters. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't foresee that now if Edmund would get hurt, then yeah, I think DeYoung probably takes over and plays almost every day, mostly because he can play good defense and you could also put him in the nine spot, but yeah, I don't foresee any competition there. Yeah. It also probably helps everybody in concern. Uh, Mason Wynn is still learning at AAA. I mean, looking at his game log, you know, he's got two or three, multi-hit games but he's got a lot of offers in fact he's hitting about 233 so you know there's no you know if mason Wynn was hitting 300 at at uh, memphis there might be a push for him to come up if edmund was going to struggle but i think right now it's pretty clear he still needs a little bit of time in the minors so that probably is good for paul de young it's probably good for mason Wynn. probably good for tommy edmund so um you know every, it's a it's a win-win situation Oh, you didn't do that. Um, you did. did not. I, oh, man. Yeah. I, you know. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We, <laughs> we really need to end it there. So um, Cardinals have uh, Diamondbacks three at home, get an off day. They go out to the West Coast and get to play Seattle for three. Um, what do you expect out of this week? Because this, this feels like this feels like a mix, right? It's a little bit better than what we saw last week in competition. Maybe not as much as the first couple of weeks. What? What do we need to see out of these guys this week? Uh, sweeps, uh, but no. Um, you, you know, I don't know. I mean, they've got Merrill Kelly the first game, but you've got Flaherty. You got Flaherty pitching at home. I don't know, um, but I think that game's winnable. Uh, you go to the next game, and the Cardinals have um, Montgomery on the mound against Jamison. Both guys with really low ERAs. I mean, it's another game. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a push, and then somehow Madison Bumgarner is still pitching the guy. Yeah. I don't know how it's 55 years old, but that should be a winnable game there. So even though the diamondbacks are off to a hot start and even though they're kind of a sneaky team, I think the Cardinals have the ability or should at least take two of three from them in that series. But then when you go to Seattle, uh, I don't know. Um, good chance they're going to face pitchers they've never seen before. And when that happens, they make them into Cy Young winners. But uh, I don't know. What, what's your prediction for the outcome for this week? 
I think I think if you split, you're probably content. If you can take two, of, you should take two or three, if not more, but at least two or three against Arizona. I think the travel out to Seattle, something the Cardinals don't do regularly, right? They haven't been to Seattle in two or three years at least. I guess Tommy Edmonds' rookie year, I remember him hitting, I think, a Grand Slam walk-off or something up there. He had a big hit up there. So it's been a while since they've been up there. Um, that travel is not like going to Colorado with the, with the uh, you know, thin air but it is a longer travel you're right seeing pictures that they don't necessarily see all the time may even get to see marco gonzalez you might get the marco gonzalez tyler o'neill matchup which would be fun which um, is probably right on par with otani versus trout that's I think what everybody has been wanting yeah yes. i think it's exactly the same um but i i think if you i mean seattle's a good team so i don't think you can expect to win more than one you'd like to you'd like to go in and win that series and if you win if you win two or three in both of these series, I think it's it's great. But um, yeah, I'm kind of feeling like a split of the six games is probably where I would land. Yeah, Seattle's kind of underperformed so far to this point too, and pitching matchups are going to be big in that one. Um, I don't think the because of who's pitching for the Cardinals in the Arizona series, the Cardinals are not going to have as great of matchups going in. Um, but the pitching has not been the greatest for Seattle either. Um, make it to see old friend Colton Wong up there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. I, Seattle's one of those teams that they scare me. I mean, when you see Julio Rodriguez and some of the guys that they have swinging the bat there, they can, they're kind of like the Cardinals. They've got a lot of firepower mm-hmm. if it works and you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's is true. But that's why we watch. So um we will watch again this week and we'll talk to you again about it next week so for david i'm daniel good night see ya hey cardinals fans thanks for listening to this week's show if you liked what you heard you can find us on itunes just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe while you're there feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review and tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven